Era podcast. Research matters. Over the last few weeks and months, the COVID-19 pandemic has transformed the way we live, work, research, teach and learn. This series explores the impact of the pandemic on our members and on the field of educational research. Hi, I'm Richard Powdley and I'm a Principal Lecturer in Curriculum Studies in the Sheffield Institute of Education at Sheffield Hallam University. I'm a convener for the BIRA Curriculum Pedagogy and Assessment Special Interest Group. I'm going to discuss in the next 10 minutes what I think has been the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the curriculum and the work of this special interest group. I'm going to address this under three headings. The effects of the pandemic, the structures involved, and the responses being made. And my overriding question is, who owns the curriculum now? The first of these is effects, and it is clear that there's been an interruption. But we're yet to fully understand the level of disruption. I'm going to consider the main factors of this interruption. We know schools, colleges and universities have been closed since March. Examinations cancelled. Pupils and students sent home and asked to learn at home. And teachers and lecturers been asked to work and teach remotely. Clearly, this is not business as usual. But I've seen incredible levels of adaptation by schools and teachers to the challenge. My own university and the school trusts we work with have worked extremely hard to respond to this. On a personal level, I've seen this in the schools that the, the children in my family attend. And the hard work of teachers in this period is often not reflected, unfortunately, in media reporting of what schools have been doing. Schools have not been closed and teachers have not stopped working. The effects have been on the whole community and it has required a whole school response. The role of parents and schools' partnerships with parents has been crucial. Parents have had arguably more influence over their children's curriculum than ever before. I would say this is more a case of parents as proxy for teachers rather than as a replacement for them. But it is a noticeable, noticeable shift, perhaps from in loco parentis to in loco magister. One factor of this interruption has been teachers' uncertainty about how long it will last and what will happen next. I know my own response started as survive till Easter and then became can I manage till May and more lately I need to hold on to the holidays. I might get a sense that if we are locked down again I will be better prepared. How about you? I want to pause there to think about structures. Schools are more than buildings. They represent a complex set of interconnected structures including timetables, routines and people, including parents. This is what Carl Mayton calls a constellation of practice. This cosmology, if you like, includes the reservoirs of physical things, but also the intangibles, feelings, hopes and investments. Also, our ways of doing and being are often tacit. These are our repertoires, including relationships between people and between people and ideas. Schools are a fragile ecosystem held together by habits of work and learning that persist because of and for the community. The curriculum is one structure that provides the what aligned with the pedagogy of how, underpinned importantly by how we assess the how well. In terms of pedagogy, teachers have shifted the emphasis towards remote learning, both synchronous and asynchronous. 
This is a shift in the dynamic, the polarity of learning and teaching. It raises the visibility of teachers' own subject knowledge, and in many cases, along with their pedagogic content knowledge. That is, the expertise to understand the sequencing and pacing of learning, as well as how learners' misconceptions are recognised and addressed. There's no doubt in my mind that schools have provided these forms of learning, and this has been impressive. Interestingly, the lockdown has become a kind of opening up of the curriculum and pedagogy. The open letter to ministers from the Research Libraries UK, for instance, calling for a loosening of copyright laws, suggests the need to rethink how we share and reuse curriculum resources, as well as strategies and techniques for teaching and learning. The difficulty I feel is ensuring teachers' autonomy in curriculum making while helping them manage the workload. This shouldn't be too prescriptive. The responses we continue to make, however, must take account of inequality heightened by the interruption. Recent studies indicate that those children most in need of school are those most likely to miss out on remote provision. Black, Asian and minority minority ethnic students are among those that are affected, increasing calls for an accessible and fair curriculum as a matter of social justice. In experiencing home learning, young people will want to make sense of Black Lives Matter and the calls to decolonise the curriculum and to understand the responses that we as educators make to this. I know my own university is making huge efforts to offer extra resources and additional support to students and to pupils in our partner schools. The announcement of the government's catch-up premium and its emphasis on academic aspects of children's return to school is important, but I feel this needs to take account of the emotional aspects of the pandemic. Experiencing the world again as a safe place and reaffirming connection and belonging is equally important, and sadly, we may need to help pupils to acknowledge loss. Personally, I prefer, I prefer the term recovery to catch-up, and it may be that we need to uncover as well as recover. Our curriculum research might throw light on what can be revealed by the drawing back of the established structures of our schools and the curriculum. I think this is where we need, we might need to hold on to our curriculum principles when they become stress tested. Our response may be pragmatic, but it must also be informed. The pandemic will favour some ideologies over others, including those that further either a traditional or a progressive idea of schooling. And this is where I think the interruption becomes a discursive gap, a space of possibilities. The Special Interest Group for Curriculum Pedagogy and Assessment can contribute to this space and to the debate. I look forward to being involved in this. Oh, and as to the question, who owns the curriculum now? My answer, for what it's worth, is we all do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beera podcast. For the latest news on Beera events and activities, visit www.beera.ac.uk.